Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Jace McCarthy. And we are once again joined by now recurring guest Robert Jackson uh, for another RFC Roundup. How are you doing, Rob? Thank goodness it's not a recursing guest because Jesus, screw me. I don't Recur- know. What we'll do. I don't know how you would. So I'm pretty sure now you've got my wheels turning. We're going to find a way to recurse this. It, it can be a thing. Mm, Hello, like welcome to the November weekend. I'm Jonathan Jack. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like there's basically crossing the streams <laughs> or something from Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, there's something there. There's something there. We got a couple, uh, possibly three RFCs to go through. So let's dive in. All right, so the first one we want to talk about is something that's uh, a little like near and dear to me uh, because of some frustration I had recently in Ember data model fragment land. So I just had to explain. So I, I feel like it's not common necessarily to be using model fragments since the adoption of JSON API. So I want to explain what that is. Uh, it's basically when you have a JSON, uh, not a JSON API API, but like a was it just JSON serializer? What was the old one? It's basically like a REST serializer. Yeah, active model serializer. Yeah, yeah. When you have like an older style API and one of the attributes, which were usually nested one level deep in those APIs, has a an object in it that is complex. So it has some fields on it. Uh, for instance, a price might have price in sense and a formatted price string. And you always want that to be there. And the attribute that you're going to work with in Ember Data is going to be called total price or something. Uh, Well, what Ember Data wants you to do is if you want to embed that in the APIs, it wants you to use the embedded record mittens and and use a, a, a relationship. So it wants you to call that a belongs to. But that necessitates an ID. Like fundamentally, that is like just a basic assumption of how that works. So what Ember Data Model Fragments does is it allows you to specify that complex object as a fragment and it gives you things that a transform couldn't. So a transform, you'd be able to serialize and deserialize to that complex object in the way that would make sense, but things like is dirty and rollback wouldn't work. And uh, the reason it's there's some pain here is because in order for Ember Data Model Fragment to do that, it needed to use a lot of private APIs. So we're going to be talking about uh, an RFC that came out right after our hiatus, so we missed it by just a couple of weeks. It's called the Ember Data Record Data RFC. That's a mouthful. And it talks about how we can bring those private APIs that make migrating Ember Data model fragments and other APIs and add-ons that utilize these private APIs or intimate APIs. It talks about how to solidify them and really define the interfaces so that there can be more experimentation in this land and we can do things more stably. So, Rob, do you want to walk us through uh, this RFC? Yeah, um, so it's been a little while since uh, since it came out. I think it's Just a January, few Yeah, Jan- January of this year or something. You know, not half a year or anything. <laughs> um, it was in the Lost episodes, don't worry about it. Yeah, there, it's in the Lost archives, that's right. So basically, the idea here with record data is there's some really cool diagrams, actually, in the RFC that people should totally go look at. But effectively the interface between the store and like the rest of the infrastructure, like our, uh, adapters, serializers, etc., and the way it interacts with the actual model is very nebulous. On the diagram, it is like this cloud-looking thing because there's massive numbers of different entry points and the ways that the store and the models end up communicating. I, cu- I couldn't figure out what that ASCII art was. I was like, is this a It's tooth? like a cloud. Yeah, it's like, I don't even <laughs> it's know. Cloud. It's cloud. It's a cloud of ASCII art. Yeah. It's just really complicated. I think basically it's just I give up making this diagram because there's too many ins and outs. <laughs> so here's a cloud of all the things. 
Maybe it's a parrot. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to say it's a cloud, but now it's the parrot's looking at me, so I got to scroll down a little bit. So the current thing is replaced by a thing called record data. In the ASCII yard, it's still called model data because that was one of the first original names that was given. Yeah, it's actually funny. The, the first comment is like, we could probably come up with a better name. <laughs> yeah. As you all know, naming is hard. Naming mm. is hard. For sure. Yeah, I also like how in the, in the diagram, there's still a bunch of little Xs, like the cloud was just reduced, but it's still like there. In yeah, the there's still like little, <laughs> yes, confirmed. So the, I feel like anyways, the point is everything that wants to talk or do things to model instances goes through the record data interface, including the store. So that means we have a very well-defined interface from the store to talk to models, which means that, for example, you can swap out from a DS model-based class to a different kind of model class, which is a thing that we're experimenting with at LinkedIn, right? Like there is a Ember M3 effort, and it basically lets us have a single model-based class to handle all the API endpoints, right? So the only reason that's even possible is because of the work gone into this RFC and this process. So basically what the the goal is, there is a single API. Uh, the interface is defined fairly well in this doc. It's, a, it's in TypeScript style, but it was just like set adder, get adder, has adder, uh, just methods that you implement on model data that you can use to just talk or mutate or work with the backing data structure. So Ember data's internals will be working with like ds.model base classes, but uh, you could totally implement a thing that works with your own custom thing or uses uh, plain native classes or, some, or doesn't extend from DS model or all, all sorts of different possibilities. That's the very 10,000-foot overview of what this yeah, RFC yeah. is about. I really think this is important for... There's there's companies I worked for where they'd written their own store and model types, but because like most of the Ember developers they were hiring were experienced Ember and Ember Data, they always started looking like Ember Data. They had the same kind of interface to the store, but under the hood they were something different. Like This seems like you could now... like migrate over to Ember Data, at least use that for the like outer shell, like the store part of it, the access part of it, and like at least take advantage of some of that and then slowly get over to like pure Ember Data, like in a in a piecemeal approach. Yeah, and I think the migration towards the model for or sorry, the record data will fix many of the internal private detail reliances that exist in Ember Data model fragments. For example, as part of doing the work for the RFC and proposing the RFC, um, the Ember Data team actually did spikes of a number of different add-ons that do lots of private API work around Ember Data and, and as a result have many like major version bumps because every time they some private API they were relying on breaks, then they have to sort of work around it, fix it, figure it out. And usually that means that you have to look at some table or some grid in the README to figure out which version of this add-on mm-hmm. do I need to use with Ember Data. And then uh, consequently, when you go to uh, upgrade like your Ember version and your, you want to upgrade your Ember Data version and whatnot, you're constantly looking at that grid to see, is my new version there? Uh, I guess it's not there yet, so I won't even try. Probably, we'll wait for somebody else to try. Um, <laughs> you're literally describing like the last two weeks of my life? Yeah, like that exactly. was in a sentence. Yeah. Maybe not two weeks. So I think that in this case, the Ember Data team put together, like a, there is an actual branch, a work in progress branch. We can link it in the show notes, but of actually migrating Ember Data model fragments to use record data and remove massive amounts of the private API uh, monkey patches they have to do to add the functionality, right? I don't think it's 100% off the top of my head. I don't think it is, but it's very close. And it makes the surface area much smaller for that sort of like internal detail stuff. 
Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, honestly, I really think that the RFC also, it does a great job of outlining the different responsibilities of Ember Data in a way that I, because because they're trying to define it so well, I think it's Igor who did a lot of the work on this RFC. He wrote it for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, Igor. But I think it also, like, was reviewed by lots of the team, like, uh, yeah, Fitzover yeah, and sure. David Hamilton, like a whole mm-hmm. whole slew of folks. I'm, you know, Dan Gephardt, like the whole Ember Data team basically yeah. kind of collaborated and put it together. Yeah, well, I think that reading this, though, gives you an idea of like what Ember Data is responsible for uh, in a really cool way that I, I actually think this should be, if you're struggling with Ember Data or if you have Ember Data and you have a big project, this this could just help you better understand the intention behind things already. Chase, what do you think Unload Record does with relationships? Hmm. So say I have a, I unload a record and that record is associated with other records. Uh, like probably just nulls out whatever it can, like anything that they when they point to something else, like if they have a belongs to to it, they just just nulls them out. Uh, I think that John, it's a trick question, John. As I'm, a, I'm being a little tricky. Yeah, the, yeah. I'm the, trying to. The, yeah, yeah. The the answer is literally no one knows. No one knows. Uh, well, <laughs> probably not such no a good one. one. <laughs> probably not no one. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's somebody, some people that know, uh, but it is extremely hard to reason about. I've included a link in uh, in our show notes, but there's an issue that describes just the like a list, a bulleted list of all the different ways that unload record is uh, <laughs> not tested. Like we don't actually have scenarios in the test suite to cover the various permutations around using create record and relationships and then unloading or like basically there's no server side component. You just create record directly or right. like pushing and then removing like the number of permutations that exist that you could imagine being possible. Like, you know, like pushing records in instead of doing adapter fetches or right. do like creating records manually just for client side records and then using unload record as a way to do client side delete or like just all those things. Like, the tests, like, we just don't have, like, it, it's a huge number of permutations we would have to test anyways. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this is, this is like a huge database problem anyway, like cascading deletes or, yes, you know, whether yes, you just know it. Like, yes. Yeah, no, this is a hugely complicated, I, I feel like Tur- I need turns to... Turns out we have to computer science now. Yeah, I feel like I need to dial it back and be like, I'm not, like, this is not, that was not a shot. I, it was a trick question because, like, there are so many permutations and they're, like, I think, uh, so you said it would null out the, the relationships. I said that if you unloaded the record, it would remove it from the identity map, but it wouldn't trigger any deletes because there's a destroy record, I believe. Yeah, it's, uh, not, function. it's, it's definitely not going to send stuff to the server. Yeah. I, or, yeah, I'm that's, pretty sure about that, right? Like yeah, that, to me, yeah, to that me that's like back. the requirement is I don't want, like, I'm calling unload record because I don't want to do anything on the back end. I'm just doing it locally. Right. But yes. I'm also only calling unload record on one thing, which means I only expect one thing to get unloaded. No matter how many, well, yeah, but if it's associated that. elsewhere, you don't want that. You don't want things to be stale and yeah. But and I think it's you, kind of implicitly saying, like, I'm asking you to unload this record, and since there is no mechanism for saying that there's a cascading delete, I'm assuming oh, right, that yeah. it would just right. There's no cascading out. deletes, but what if that record is part of a has many? Now we have to do a lot of bookkeeping to unload to figure hmm. out all the possible right. relationships. Oh yeah, but that's, that's, a, problem, that's a right? your problem. Like yes. that's not a, that's not a <laughs> my problem. Yeah. So so this is just that's just one thing. Like we we kind of were talking about a bunch of different things that it's such a complicated space. It, it really is like great to see an RFC like this that that tries to isolate it so that we can uh, talk about it. And I think Robert, you're you're referring to the uh, I think it was David Hamilton mm-hmm. discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, post? so there's there's a discuss post that talks about details, but uh, specifically there is an Ember Data issue, issue number fifty four seventy two, that's literally mm-hmm. titled 
unload record is not under as much test coverage as we think it is. And it, <laughs> it, it is a, a bulleted list of many issues. But yeah, that, that's a oh, great okay, segue. Like, so David Hamilton put together uh, a post in the forum, discuss.emergest.com. We'll make sure to link it up. That talks about some of the instabilities that have like plagued the last, the most recent few Ember data releases, like from, I don't know, like three, two plus, like three, two and three, three. And like, just sort of try to break down what's going on. Why do we have these issues? We're all software developers. Like we don't want to ship things that are broken. And frankly, right. when we ship them, when we ship these versions, all the tests were passing, right? And we increased test coverage. We increased the number of total tests in the system that we're testing in each of these versions, like uh, by a non-trivial amount, like we're adding tests around the edge cases and the tests around the various permutations as they come up. And then we're finding unspecified behavior that people end up relying on just working a certain way, but doesn't make sense. It's not like reasoned behavior. It's just emergent behavior. Like it emerged from like the system as we sort of cobbled it together over time. So then as we like come and put some logic to it and say, ah, this should, should clearly do some other thing. And then we had to test to that effect and then find out some app now uh, like accidentally relied on the right. timing of observers firing and dirtiness being flagged, for example. Right. Oh, like, I think it can whoa, be even simpler than like, that. Just like that sounds ornate. I feel like there's a lot of APIs that are just like not public and people are importing from dash, a literal, a literal folder that is, ex- that is included in the Ember data called dash private. Yeah. Like I've seen it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the the post is, is everyone should, folks should read it. I'm really glad that uh, David put the time to put it together mm-hmm. and get it out there. Yep. It is one of those things that none of us want to write, and it's always very uncomfortable slash annoying to write and like basically say, "Hey, we've got these mistakes. This is what's going on." As open source maintainers, I can tell you, it is really easy to try to say that it's somebody else's fault. And this post doesn't do that, right? Like it's just a hard problem. And as right. a community, we just need to come together and sort of figure out what the cases, what the permutations are, what the cases are. Stop saying things like uh, Ember data 3.0, whatever is broken and start talking about the actual details of what is broken and what is wrong. And so we can actually fix it, right? Just saying, yeah, totally. uh, X, Y version doesn't work is not helpful at all. It doesn't actually make the problem better. The thing we need to do is test. We need to be testing the betas. If we ever have a hope to getting a release that isn't going to have bugs, it's if people actually test them, right? Yeah. Like there's so many uh, untested things that like the only way they get exercised is in apps, like people's apps. So yeah. anyways, so the point of the post, I, I'm rambling now, but the point of the post is we are going to, like the Ember Data team is going to be doing a few additional things that we haven't been doing. One of which is testing of various open source applications in the versions of Ember Data as we get down to the release. So things like Ember Observer, Travis CI itself, possibly Ghost, apps like that, where they're, they're open source apps and we can test and clone them. I think we're also going to try to do some targeted sort of office hours-y things where like we can sort of like ask me anything and sort of dig into various issues. Um, I think the plan right now is to do that a couple times a week or once a week. Um, yeah, I think I, I saw a Runspired post Tuesday and Friday is yeah, what he's, go. he's going to yeah, commit to. So I think that's going to be really helpful. But again, it all comes down to folks actually taking the time, testing out the betas and figuring it out. And one thing that I don't think very many people know, because I, I don't know that it's been like, widely proclaimed yet, but at the last Ember Data face-to-face, uh, which was after EmberConf in March, the team specifically decided that 
they wanted to do the LTS process similar to what Ember does. And they decided at the time that they wanted to match the LTS number, like versions with Ember, so that you could know, hey, this thing is stable. As a side note, Ember CLI also did the same thing. So all three of the main projects are going to be uh, LTS in 3.4. Um, in 3.4. Okay. And that is the current beta, right? So if mm-hmm. we have any hope of having an LTS that is worth a damn in Ember data, it is on us to figure out what's going on, test the betas, report bugs, get it going. We can do this. Yeah, and I, and I, as far as I understand, this RFC that we've been talking about is largely already implemented in 3.4. I'm guessing it's behind a feature flag um, because I know there's a legacy folder now. Yeah, so the code base is split, right? So if you look in the code base today, like on master, I don't know if it's in the beta branch or just the master branch right now. It'll eventually get to the beta branch, but I don't know which branch it's currently in. I think it is in the beta branch, but I'm the, not positive. The code I, base, I all of the all the previous stuff that was in de- the the private subfolder is now duplicated or or replicated for record data. There's a record data version and there's a quote unquote legacy version. The legacy one is still currently what's shipped, enabled by default in st- in like tagged releases, but the record data one is enableable via feature flag. On master, essentially. So the idea is, as the APIs diverge in the private API space, we wanted to be able to keep, like, not accidentally break the old thing while we iterate forward on the new thing. And both of those, both of the private implementations, the record data one and the sort of prior or current legacy one, run against the same set of tests. So we right. we can ensure that, like, ah, the same expectations that work on both sides, that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Since since this doesn't mess with any kind of regular user facing APIs, you should, as long as you're not using anything like fragments, you should be able to switch this on and, ch- and check your app against it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, I think again, I think you need to throw it to the master branch and then enable the flag, but that should be documented in the Ember Data README. The idea is it, it's it's basically akin to uh, just a normal canary feature flag for Ember, right? Like that's the the idea. And right. since Ember Data is just like a normal add-on, it has a little bit of broccoli build foo that swaps the actual implementations out as um, like at build time. So like you only right. you're not shipping both of these. It's like it's not bloating your build or anything. It's just we swap out which which thing ends up being installed at the private namespace based on what the feature flags were. Yeah. So um, that brings me to my last question on this area, and that's. The LTS is the intention to have the LTS be the record data RFC with the feature flag as an opt out, or is the LTS going to extend and give a longer period of time, a long, longer on ramp for the record data uh, feature? So the goal so far in Ember, and 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 certainly we're doing the same thing in CLI. Uh, the goal for the LTS is always to provide the most stability, the most stable APIs that we can, and. The only way to do that is to not have a massive fundamental shift in the LTS release. Record data is is good. It's it's awesome. I'm very excited. I think lots of people are excited about it and want to use it. But it's it's a big shift, right? Right. It is it is not the thing you do just before you're releasing a like final stable version that you want you as a maintainer want to support for 60 weeks for security patches, right? Like it's right. not that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. So so what I think the the TLDR is three four will release. Uh, with the the APIs that we've known and love slash hate sometimes uh, <laughs> to date, and it'll be what we're used to. And our hope is most apps will be able to get to three four, and in three five, three six, when, whenever the, like as soon as we can, 
enable the record data flag uh, in like a 3.5 or something, still should be stable. Like, obviously, we're not planning to break anything. Our tests are going to be passing. Hopefully, the, the we're going to make sure the open source apps that we used also pass all that stuff. But mm-hmm. but it's it's almost guaranteed to be more buggy, right? Like, it's new code, right? It's 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 new sure. APIs. There's there's going to be interactions we didn't plan for or didn't think about. Uh, nobody's perfect, right? So so that should land in 3.5 or or 3.6. And, and folks that either don't need that, uh, the record data implementation, like maybe you're not using model fragments, maybe you're just using the, the barely scratching surface of the, the normal public APIs for Ember data, and you're like risk averse, and you don't uh, you're just worried about the churn of upgrading. Uh, staying in the LTS, that's the point of it, right? The like, right. There's, there's there's no necess- like if if you're happy with what you've got, three four is going to be stable. Uh, we're going to backport any critical bug fixes to it, and uh, and there's there's no reason not to use it, right? It also gives a really nice launching pad for like upgrades in the future. You know for sure that nothing was deprecated in like three two and then removed in three four. You know, deprecated one version and like one or two versions later removed, which is a thing that has happened, especially for private APIs. The promise here is that if we deprecate a thing, the deprecation must live through at least one LTS and before it can be removed. So, you know, if you're comfortable with 3.4 and you don't have any problems with 3.4, you can just wait to the next LTS, like 3.8, and just go to 3.8 and you'll right. be fine. And you don't have to go from 3.4 to 3.5 to 3.6 to 7 and then eight, right? You don't have to do all these little hops, um, which is which is basically what you had to do previously, um, right? Because you, you're you're basically guaranteed a known path from from the LTS to the next LTS. Cool. So that's kind of at odds with the idea that you kind of want applications to test against the beta versions to help with bugs or bug reporting. So um, I think we had talked about this a little bit uh, offline, but you can set up Ember Try on your applications. I think to automatically test your Ember data versions. Is that correct? Yeah, totally. So you could do it. And this is a thing that we uh, we talked about at a recent core team meeting. And I think that we're going to try to do by default in the default app blueprint, right. um, where where we have a try config in the app. And instead of, not, not specifically about Ember data, but basically you want to check beta, which is the entire set of dependencies that come with the Ember CLI beta cycle. That's going to be Ember itself. It's going to be Ember CLI itself. It's going to be Ember Data, um, and possibly other at like maybe Ember CLI Babel or HTML bars or like any whatever right. the subset of the next uh, blueprint, like new app blueprint is. Like you want to test that. That is quote unquote testing beta, right? So we're uh, we're working to uh, with the advent of Ember CLI update, it becomes really easy to do like those package JSON style dev dependencies and dependencies merging. There's a really awesome package that um, Corey Forsyth wrote um, that is like three-way merger, which is basically just taking the package JSON of your current Ember CLI version and the target one and like all your changes and just figures out the steps that need to happen and merges it. And I think so far, it has gotten it 100% right every time I've tried it. And I'm super, I'm super excited about using it for uh, making apps easier to test the whole set of the beta. Awesome. That's the real sweet spot though, right? So people have the stability of an LTS, but especially uh, Ember ecosystem developers have uh, have some additional applications that will be tested. So they can report bugs on this this testing version, uh, specifically like Ember Data, I think is a great example. Like if you just test it on release and it blows up, 
you can literally just say, hey, this is my error. I'm going to silence it for now until the next LTS. And that's like, like most of the time, that's better than what we have now. So that seems like a pretty big win. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think um, I'm hopeful to get it landed in the the LTS of uh, like the current beta branch. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit of work and it may it may end up being in Ember C like 3.5 uh, default blueprint. It just, it mostly depends on how much reworking needs to happen. Uh, we certainly right. don't want to do a larger factor just before releasing an LTS. That, same on the CLI side, the same sort mm-hmm. of thing, right? Uh, but hopefully it can land. I think it should be able to. Chase, do you want to add anything to that? All right, yeah, that, that all sounds good. Um, just keep in mind, none of this stuff really is going to affect you much if you're just a general user and you don't, you're not doing anything weird with Ember data. Yeah, totally. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Definitely check out the RFC. We're going to link to the RFC um, and to the thing from David Hamilton, the discuss uh, piece, uh, as well as the hilarious comment about unload record because I thought that was funny. Uh, and uh, and we will uh, we will discuss... Uh, more in the future. But if you have any questions about this RFC, reach out to us on Twitter. Hey, Rob. So uh, really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, as always, this is always a super fun experience. And we got some feedback uh, when we did this, the previous RFC roundup, that we definitely wanted to have you on as a more regular guest. It's great to have some Emberland vibes uh, happen in the Ember Weekend space. Uh, so I guess I just wanted to talk to you about like what the future of that will look like. And I think you had, you expressed some interest about uh, the naming. You want to walk us through that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it sounds good. I uh, folks that know me, they will know that I can talk about almost <laughs> anything for a near infinite amount of time. So yeah. So it sounds great. I think it would be good to not focus it only on RFCs because then I can't rant about things that I just feel like ranting about. Um, <laughs> like we we had a nice little side rant about uh, people testing betas. I think that was that was good, um, but isn't like really related to an RFC. So um, so I'll right. have to come up with uh, another name for the segment. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you, you know, did have a proposal. Uh, you yes, wanna... yes. So the RWJ Blue Roundup. Um, there you go. Uh, all right. It sells the alliteration. That's we, all I care we, about. So. Uh, we we have to get like cowboy hats and cowboy boots. Uh, maybe Chase can help us with that. He down in Texas. Uh, but like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I got to be like Woody in uh, Toy Story, basically, right? Like, can we can we call it the uh, RWJ Blues? Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. We should, do that. <laughs> we should do it. I love it. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah. Because then we can just talk about anything. You just rant about like uh, clicky keyboards or just anything mm, you want. I like clicky keyboards. This yeah. So uh, <laughs> so for now, I guess what that kind of means for you, the listener is that if you want to have questions, it's probably like uh, Chase and I have kind of talked about this and it'll probably be in every other episode kind of thing uh, for the RWJ Blue Roundup or, or RFC Roundup, depending on if there's RFCs that we want to talk about. If you want to ask some questions that lead a little bit, we will be watching our Twitter for for information. So I don't know if we have a hashtag yet sorted out, but if you want to just tag it for RFC or RWJ Blue or whatever, um, we will uh, we will incorporate them there into our notes and try to work through as many as we can. Although uh, we had, uh, as we mentioned the, uh, at the start of the episode, we had a bunch more RFCs to go through, and we only got through one. So we'll get to it if we can. Obviously, we love you, so you know we'll do our best. But yeah, I think that the the best way is just to get some interaction. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have some questions or things you want to talk about. Uh, that's probably the best way to do it. And I think that's it for the episode. So once again, Robert, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. 
and we'll see you next time. Thank you.